424, everybody stand. this last verse come on up at the name of Jesus
everything that I know in my heart it feels like yesterday it's a feeling that I can't explain if you've been there I know you feel the same so lift your hands up to the one who's worthy of all praise thank you for
seriously consider it because there's a bond that's built there. And um, I, I truly consider it um, a privilege um, to be able to uh, minister here. And I, I, I'm not, not worthy, but uh, he is. And uh, that's really all that matters. All right, Matthew chapter 26. I don't have very many illustrations tonight. Um, I was telling Pastor Mike before um, church started that um, I had one one message planned, and then God kind of like totally flipped that three or four days ago, and uh, I, I really feel like this is um, what the Lord would have us to consider this evening, uh, Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to take a look at verse 36 uh, through verse 46. Um, I want to give you something to think about tonight. We're in the middle of, of as it were, Holy Week, uh, excuse me, Holy Week, right? And um, uh, I, um, I have been reading the Gospels every day for about the last two weeks, and um, really studied in depth what Jesus did in Gethsemane. And um, I do believe that there are some lessons uh, that we can take home with us that can really impact the way that we look at, at Calvary this year and take a look at uh, how, we, how we take a look at um, the resurrection and, and what Jesus did for us. Um, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, um, and let's go ahead and pray before we get into the message. Father, I count it a privilege to be here, and uh, Lord, I, I thank you for this week. Thank you for the fact that we can come and celebrate what you did for us. Thank you for sending your son. Lord, we're going to see a little picture of that relationship that you have with your son this evening. And I pray, Lord, that it would change us for the better. Lord, this is not going to be one of those messages that's going to make a lot of people happy, but I pray, Lord, that it would help us to be serious about what we believe and what your son went through. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Um, I want to set the scene for you before we read uh, the scripture. I'm, I'm going to go through these verses that I mentioned, verses 36 through 46, um, and then have a couple points of application for you here. But um, it's, it's really a very, very simple message. And I just want to uh, take a look at this night and, and have the Lord remind us of some things that I think are kind of important. And uh, they're important enough that they're in the Bible, so we need to study them, right? To set the stage for you here, Jesus in Matthew chapter 26 basically warns the disciples one more time uh, that he is going to be soon arrested and crucified. Not sure if they really grasp that concept at all or not. The chief priests and the elders are secretly plotting 
to arrest Jesus and kill him. And Judas is agreeing to go right along uh, with that plan uh, with the chief priests. Uh, and Jesus has one last dinner with his disciples in Matthew chapter number 26. And he warns, warns them that someone, Judas, uh, is going to betray him. And then Jesus predicts that the disciples will all abandon him and Peter will deny him three times. Now, I'm happy to report later on that Jesus didn't leave Peter where he was, right? It's, it's such a, a testimony to the fact that the Lord can still do with us what we uh, don't see possible, that he can pick us up out of our ruins and make us useful for his kingdom. But this is one of those spots in scripture that we know a lot about, but sometimes maybe we don't have the right perspective. Verse 36 says this, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go pray yonder. This would have been a familiar place for Jesus. It was probably one of the places that he loved to go. In fact, we find in other portions of Scripture, John chapter number 18 and verse 2, we find, And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, it says. He knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. This was his spot. He loved to go to Gethsemane. We find here in this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, that the second Adam is now preparing for our redemption. Verse number 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, if you remember, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. I want to also point out something here that you may not have uh, thought about or, or maybe need to be reminded of. Matthew chapter 20, don't turn there, but in Matthew chapter 20, it says in verse 17, and Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. Verse 19, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. Uh, and the third day he shall rise again. I want to make something, just an observation here that I, I hear a lot and it, it's not true. And that is this. Jesus was not afraid to die. He was not afraid to die. He had no fear. Bible specifically says in, uh, in that last verse that he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. There's no fear there. There is the weight of something that is happening here. And the weight of that is more 
than just what would happen to him at Calvary. The weight of that was more than those nails that would be put in his hands and his feet. The weight of that was more than just his friends just kind of betraying him and, and just letting him be. The weight of that was more than the disgrace that his own people were to him in saying, crucify, crucify, right? The weight of that was more than just Calvary itself for the physical exhaustion that would take place. The real weight that bowed down the heart of Jesus was the weight of the sin of the world. The wrath of God that would cause Jesus to be forsaken by God the Father. Now we know that Jesus is God, amen? We know that Jesus was in existence before this world was ever created. He had a relationship with God the Father. But the wrath of God ultimately was going to mean that Jesus would be forsaken for us. And the heaviness, the weight of Calvary was not the physical exhaustion of Calvary. It was not the emotional distress that he was in. The weight of it was what Isaiah mentioned in chapter 53 and verse 3. He was acquainted with grief. What was that grief? That grief was the heaviness of our sin on his shoulders. I want you to think about something here. Sometimes it's kind of presented in Scripture for the life of Christ that all of a sudden, you know, when Calvary takes place, you know, it began at, at Gethsemane, you know, th this thought of Jesus, you know, having a heavy heart as a result of what would happen here. But you have to remember that Jesus is God. You have to remember the fact that when even before this world was created, Jesus was God. He has all the attributes of God, meaning that he could literally see what was going to happen. And so we find that as soon as Jesus took on that form of a man, right, and came to earth for us, this weight of Calvary was not started just in the garden. This was something that Jesus had held the whole time he was here. Every single time he performed a miracle, there was that weight, that wrath to come. And now in Gethsemane, he is explaining what that weight is to his disciples in full detail, right? And, and now we have to realize that Jesus was carrying this burden, this weight, his whole life. Dr. Luke records that Jesus' sweat drops of blood. Don't turn there, but Luke chapter number 22, verse 44 says, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. 
it was so much of a burden to understand that the wrath of God would be placed on him that Jesus literally experienced uh, hematohydrosis, which is literally such emotional distress. It's basically the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands. Uh, they start to break down, and blood released from the vessels mixes with sweat. Therefore, the, the body literally sweats drops of blood. That's what he bore for, for us. That, that, that weight of, of the sin of the world. He literally play, uh, uh, prayed in a weak human body until he bled. I like how one commentator put it. He said, this is literally the worst experience that anyone has had in history. Verse 38. Then he said unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. He explains, listen, this is, this is going to end up in death for me. Tarry ye here and watch. That word watch means to be alert. Watch with me. Verse 39, and he went a little far, uh, farther and fell on his face just under this weight that he was carrying and prayed and said, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup, or in other words, the wrath of God, pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I want you to take notice of the fact that it is the only time, as far as we know in the Gospels, when he addressed God, the Father, with a personal pronoun. My father. This was a special private place for God the Son to have private communication with God the Father. I, I want you to grasp this. I want you to grasp sort of what is happening here in history. We are literally seeing, we are privy to a conversation that God the Father is having with God the Son in order to secure your redemption. Verse 40, And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here's another side point here. The flesh in and of itself does not have the power to do what is right despite good intentions. In other words, we need God the Father's help. We need God's help. We cannot do this in our own power. Verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed saying, oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, Thy will be done. Heavy, heavy, heavy words. Verse 43, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. It was probably 
about midnight that they were in Gethsemane and they just could not stay up with Jesus. Their human body failed them. Verse 44, and he left them and went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. That phrase to me is interesting because it says he said the same words, which means that the third prayer was exactly like the first two. And in both cases, he is praying to the Father personally. He acknowledged the Father for who he was. Verse 45, Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. It's almost like he's saying, okay, well, you know, now you're not with me. Go ahead and sleep on, you know. Verse 46, rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. I, I, I look at that last verse and, and I, I say to myself, that Jesus basically shows that he is content with doing the Father's will and just gets up and goes. Just automatic obedience to the Father's will. I have a couple quick points here and I'll be done. I think that there are three things that we want to consider as we go through this week and we take a look at the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Number one, I think we need to get alone with God and make it personal with him. Jesus had that spot in Gethsemane. Loved to be there. In fact, that's, again, just like we read earlier, I mentioned earlier that Judas knew where he would be. He figured he'd be there, right? And he probably figured he'd be there because he was there a lot, right? But he had that spot. He had that spot where he went alone. I imagine, now the scripture doesn't record this, but I don't think we do, uh, 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 we mistreat the word of God to say, I'm sure that this was not, these prayers were not the only conversations that Jesus had with his father. This was the spot that was special to him. And I'm going to tell you this. I, I, if you don't have this place, I think you need to get a place like this. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, that place where you, you know, it's, it's you know, special to a lot of people for, for a specific reason, you know. Like, it just needs to be that place where you get alone with God and you commune with him in prayer there. You tell him how you feel. You let him know that you love him. And you thank him for what he's done for you. You need that place to be alone with God. It has to be personal. I will tell you, young people, that there was a time in my life where... I had to understand that what I believed wasn't going to be because my dad believed it, although I respect him, he's one of my heroes. I, I was going to have to believe what I believe, not because the preacher said it, 
I wouldn't believe it because I heard it on the radio or I heard it in some sermon. I had to believe what I believed because I searched the scriptures and I prayed and it was real to me personally. And I find this situation here with Jesus where he gets alone and he prays and there's that communication. Listen, you need that communication. If there's anything that I have done in my life that the Lord has answered as far as a prayer request is concerned. I remember praying over, I might have mentioned this before, but hey, this is what's on my heart right now. I remember when, when, my, um, when my boys were, were little, even before they got out of the crib, oftentimes after they would fall asleep, I would go in and I would pray over them. And I would say, Lord, please save them at an early age. Lord, um, please, uh, please make it real to them. Let them have a personal walk with you. Don't let them just be a Christian in name only. Let them experience this as a, a result of having a deep personal relationship with you. And I think so far the Lord has answered that prayer request. The Lord hasn't answered everything I, that, that I've asked of him. But he's, he's answered that prayer request as far as I can see. And God's good for that. We need, we need that place where it's made real to us and we get alone and we talk to God. You have to make it personal. It's, it's not just about being here. Listen, I, I, you ought to be here every single time the, 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 the doors are open, and I want you to, to experience what the Lord has for us every single time that we're here. But it needs to be personal to you. Jesus Christ was no less God on earth when praying to his Father in heaven. If Jesus thought that it was important to pray as our sinless Savior, how much more do we need to get alone and talk with God the Father? Number two. Not only do we need to get alone with God, but I, 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 I see this passage that, in this passage that it's all about the Father's will. It's all about the Father's will. We, listen, there is nothing wrong with having goals and, and hopes and dreams and, and, and plans for the future. But when I take a look at Jesus asking God the Father, basically, is there any other way? I see him getting that answer and I see him saying, you know what? I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do your will. So many times we, we pray and, and, and I think this, this principle needs to affect everything that we do, including the prayers that we pray. Speaking of prayer. So many times we pray, Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. Lord, answer my prayer request here. 
Lord, do this for me. Lord, do that for me. Sometimes I think we pray so much. We pray so much for God to deliver us from things when we need to pray, God the Father, show me your will. Show me your will. Listen, I, I, I won't go into very much detail. All of you know that the, the past five, six, seven, probably maybe even more years have been incredible health-wise for our family. But I can see all along the way where I've prayed, Lord, get this out of our way. Lord, heal me from this. Or, Lord, do this for me. And didn't hear anything from the Lord. The Lord did not answer that prayer request as I prayed. But I can look back all along the way that God did what he wanted to anyway, and his will was best. His will was best. I look back and, and, and I, I think about what happened with my mother along the way. I think about what happened with me personally and, and, and new things come up and it's just like, okay, Lord, I'm excited to see how you're gonna, you're, what you're gonna do in this situation. I'm telling you, it, it has totally, totally changed my perspective on some things. Totally changed my perspective. If that's the case, then I need to pray and we all need to pray that God's will be done that he might be glorified, not that our prayer requests might be answered. There's nothing wrong with answered prayer requests. But above all, Jesus shows us that we need to pray for God's will to be done and be obedient to God's will. Number three, and I'm done. I think if there's anything that you take, can take away from this passage, I think the main takeaway is that we need to recognize the seriousness of sin. Seriousness of sin. What do I mean by that? You can't truly understand. Don't miss this. You can't truly understand the weight of Calvary. As you go through this weekend and, and you take a look at what's done up here and, and, and the scripture that you read and the songs that you hear and, and, and everything about this season, this holiday for us, you cannot truly understand the weight of Calvary until you understand the weight of sin that was put on Jesus. We need to get to the place where we realize that sin is what sent Jesus to Calvary. He didn't do it. Listen, as much as I love this church, as much as I, I love the, the fellowship that we have here, as much as I, I, I know that it has had an impact on my life as far as, you know, the, the, the professional that I am, you know, the father that I am, uh, you know, all that surface stuff, which is good. We need to understand that there is a seriousness about sin that sent Jesus to Calvary. And as far as 
this church is concerned, I think sometimes we can get caught up in the culture of the church. I've heard a lot of sermons lately from, from um, well, I'll just say I've heard a lot of sermons <laughs> where people are, um, where men are trying to get people to accept the culture of the church rather than the savior of the church. And that's not right. That's not right. Jesus did not come to establish a religion. There already was enough religion in this world by the time Jesus was here on earth with us. Matthew chapter 1 says that he came to save his people from their sin, right? He came to save us. And we needed salvation because of that sin, that heavy, heavy, heavy sin. And because of that, we need to recognize the seriousness of sin. Our sin caused Jesus to be crucified on the cross of Calvary. And so I, I, it, should, it should impact the way that we live. Listen, don't ever get to the point that when there's sin in your life that you kind of brush it aside as, well, you know, that, that's, you know, it's just that sin or that, that's a little sin. Hey, listen, Jesus died for that. Amen. Jesus died for that. Jesus died so that you could have eternal life. And in his death, he took upon himself the wrath of God so that you could be saved. And even though we are saved, and even though we are living with salvation, and we live with the benefits of salvation, and heaven is our home, and we're headed there one day, still means we got to treat sin seriously. Don't ever get to the point where we say, oh, well, that, that's just that one thing. Hey, we got to realize the weight of what was on Jesus in, in Gethsemane. Gethsemane, the weight was on him. I pray that as you go through this weekend, that you might see it differently through what Jesus prayed and Jesus experienced in the garden. Sense the heaviness of what happened there. Because if you do, I promise you that you'll sense a greater joy in your salvation this Easter. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this evening. Father, it's a short message that we gave tonight. And Lord, I pray especially that as we go through celebrating the resurrection this evening, or this, this weekend, Lord, that you would just just impress upon us to, to, to come to grasp maybe afresh with what you did for us. Help us to have a personal relationship with you. Not just salvation, Lord, but to trust you, to lean on you. Understand, Lord, that sin is what caused the wrath of God to fall on Jesus. Father, help us to remember what you did for us. Christ and I pray. 
Amen. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His i 